Jamie, are you like me, where you have uh, ever rushed into a bad decision? You didn't know it was a bad decision at the time, and then later you figure it out, and you wish someone or something had intervened to slow you down a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Happens to all of us. Uh, that is the challenge we're going we're gonna to discuss in, in episode one of our, our new podcast, Happy Heuristics, Shock-Resistant Leader Routines and Rules of Thumb for a Complex World. Yeah, I mean, and that title is a mouthful, but I think it speaks to the complexity of the world that we operate in. And one thing we know is that while humans are, you know, really uh, an amazing species, we have very limited computational power in our brains. And there's just no way in this world for us to thoughtfully chew on all the decisions that we have to make every day. And so that's where heuristics come in is uh, they are simple rules of thumb that we can use that are reliable most of the time to help us navigate. Yeah, and what we're navigating is, is uh, that, that term called VUCA, which is used a lot, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. The world gets more of that, and we have to operate faster within that construct. Um, so that's, that's the challenge, and that's what we're going to do with happy heuristic and, and examining those rules of thumb. So in each episode... We'll pick a theme. We will uh, each bring a heuristic related to that theme. Uh, we'll each share it, we'll explore it, we'll stress test it, we'll ask a few questions, then the other person will go and then we'll, then we'll, we'll wrap things up. And so we'll, we'll cover a different theme uh, each week so, or each episode. So what's our, our first theme? So the first theme is, is, this, is, well, it's all about decision-making, but especially the idea of, of the speed of decision-making and, uh, and uh, when it's important to slow down. Right, so we're each gonna have a heuristic uh, around that. So, so mine will be never make an important decision in just one meeting. Um, we're gonna get into yours first. Yeah. Um, so what's yours? Why don't you yeah. tell us what it is and, 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 and we'll start exploring it. Yeah, so my heuristic is pause when unsure. And I got exposed to this heuristic in uh, nuclear power plants. And, and this really comes out of uh, uh, in, uh, driven by industrial safety. And the idea is, uh, the idea of pausing when unsure is it's about uh, reducing exposure to negative black swan events. What's a negative black swan event? As, as you know, and I think many of our listeners will know, the, a, a black swan event is an event that is low probability, but has high impact. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times what happens in industrial settings is that uh, bad things can happen. Uh, and, but a lot of times when people don't completely follow the processes, bad things don't happen. And so you can create complacency. Uh, I, I was at a nuclear plant once and, a, and there was a pilot who was talking about this, the importance of this heuristic pausing when I'm sure he was talking about flying a plane and how there's, there's so many things that, uh, you know, if you follow everything on the checklist, it can really slow you down. And there was a moment when he was flying with his brother and he, he uh, uh, and they rushed through a checklist and, and they didn't pause when they were unsure about something. He's like, I've been through this a hundred times. It turned out fine. And, uh, and sure enough, the flight went okay. But then a short time later, 
and I, we'll, we'll put this in the show notes. I don't, I'm, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but uh, uh, his brother was flying. Similar situation. His brother was actually killed mm. uh, in an accident. And he feels like he had some responsibility because he did not role model for his brother pausing when unsure. Well, yeah. And that, so, you know, those are big, you know, and that, the whole point of those blocks, black swan events are these, these uh, high impact events and nuclear makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. grew up near, near Three Mile Island. We had to leave our home, you know, but that, that's it, right? That's, that's the event in our, in our country's history. Um, and, and so most people working in a nuclear plant won't even remember that, which is right, really right. the point is, is it's low probability. If you get complacent because you're like, oh, this is never going to happen. So that, that makes a ton of sense in a, in a nuclear setting yeah. when flying a plane. Uh, what's the value of it in, in day-to-day life, in yeah. leader, leader life? Yeah, I think about this all the time because I think, you know, obviously we're, uh, we're not all working in with the kind of, uh, with the high stakes situation that nuclear power plants are in. Uh, but, but I think the idea is uh, to buy cheap insurance relative to your downside risk. So, so here's a couple of examples. So uh, for example, uh, let's say that you are wrapping up a meeting with your team and you go, uh, you know, and, and pausing and unsure would be, might mean, you know what, I'm not 100% sure that the team really gets what the heck we're, we're, what everyone is responsible for here. And so at the same time, you know, the meeting's sort of like, you're all ready to be done, especially if you're on Zoom, everybody wants to take a bio break, everybody wants to get out of there and move on to their next thing. But you go, I don't, I, 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 I'm not sure that everybody really gets what we're doing or who's going to do what. But so pausing when unsure would be to say, okay, so uh, cheap insurance relative to the downside risk could be saying, hey, you know what? It, it really is going to stink if it turns out that we've had this meeting and we don't have the clarity that we're pretending to have. Cheap insurance would be to say, hey, why don't we take two minutes, the cheap insurance, and uh, have everybody go around the room and say what it is they think they're doing as a result of this, uh, of, of this uh, meeting that we've just had. That would be pausing when unsure. Uh, you know, in personal lives, I, you know, I, I, I had a little experiment this morning where uh, uh, I like to buy razor blades that always have three or four blades in them, but my wife really likes to always get the, the cheapest thing possible. So, and then when she finds blades, whether they're like, you know, the, the disposables or whether they're, you know, the CVS store brand or whatever, she just throws them all in a drawer. And one time she bought these blades and they looked okay, but like every time I used them, I was cutting up my face. And uh, uh, so I tried to root them all out, but they're all green, they're all in a drawer. So <laughs> like these terrible ones, th- these, these terrible ones, I, I think I've rooted them all out. So, you know, I mostly have not been shaving during COVID, but I thought, you know, Jamie's gonna, Jamie's gonna look good today. I, I wanna, you know, clean up a little bit. So I, I get a fresh blade and I get in the shower and I start to use it and I go, this is one of those, I, this might be one of those. I'm like, so pausing when unsure would mean, hey, you know what, I'm not gonna shave. I'm gonna show up unshaven. I thought, you know what, actually it'd be a little more of an interesting experiment if I don't pause uh, when unsure. And so, you know, that's why I'm showing up with, you know, these nicks on my, 
neck and upper lip uh, as a, you know an added feature for today's uh, uh, podcast. And uh, you know when I get home, uh, you know Tanya's going to say, "Why why are we bleeding into our, our our towels this morning?" But that's an example. <laughs> you know, cheap insurance would have been pausing when insured would be to say, uh, "It turns out this this uh, uh, blade is is uh, is one of the bad ones." Uh, so how about uh, I don't do that? Now, when you have, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so uh, you know, a lot of times if you are constantly finding yourself pausing when unsure over the same things, then that means you probably need a process improvement. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's a place where it wouldn't work. But, but, but just to talk about where it would work, you're not just talking about, you know, like, hey, well, should we do this merger or should we hire this new CEO or, you know, those types of massive decisions that, yeah. that have big consequences. Because as you said, you're talking about cheap insurance. Your, your, your pause is not uh, a significant investment. It's a small right. investment to, to, to give you a little more confidence that you're making the good decision. So it, this really is, uh, I guess when, when hearing about it first, it sounds like a low use uh, heuristic, but it really is a high use, almost everyday kind of heuristic. Yeah, and I, I mean the more colloquial term that pretty means pretty much the same thing is you know measure measure twice, cut once, because again cheap insurance, uh, and, and it, so it definitely has day to day uh, impacts, and, and it also for big decisions like a merger or big things like that, it is about uh, taking the pause to really uh, uh, reflect on things and do some latent processing. Yeah. Yeah. So this this can be done for individuals, as you talked about. Should I really send this email? Let me just save it as a draft for a few moments or right. a day, all the way through. You know, should we uh, uh, should we lower our price for our biggest customer, which we can't undo, right? So right. so all sorts of things, and it can be a, a group one, which is more likely the the latter, and it could be an individual one, which is you know, do I send that email? Right. Cheap insurance. I'm a big fan of cheap insurance. And, and what counts as cheap is relative to the downside risk and, and, and taking into account that it's not just what probably happens, but it's also about reducing your exposure to bad things that are not highly probable, but are really gonna stink if they do in fact happen. Yeah, so, so yeah, we're, we're talking about how to move faster with heuristics, right? So in some ways this is the opposite, it's going slower, but. But that I think is key for this particular heuristic is the trade-off between how much extra time, how long is that pause relative to the downside risk, which, yeah. which means we have to be, have at least enough intuition and experience to quickly assess what the downside risk is. So is that, is, is that required to make the use of this heuristic work? Yeah, I mean, and I think part of it is, you know, part of why it works so well in nuclear power plants is that it becomes part of the conversation. It, it gives people it gives people license to actually uh, uh, pause or to you know to pull the end on board from a, a lean perspective. It makes it safe to do that uh, in in situations that would otherwise be pressurized. So so yes, I mean, it requires some experience. Uh, I think if you're going to use it well in your day-to-day -day life, but I also just think getting it into the conversation, getting into your head uh, helps, helps create the conversation and create the meaning where people sort of discover mm -hmm. 
uh, what counts as cheap insurance and, and, and when to deploy it. Yeah. So let's also talk about the big limitations because you and I have both worked in a ton of organizations where they are so freaking slow and it's so hard to make a decision. And, you know, they could say, hey, we're just pausing when unsure, yes. right? So I've been thinking about this a lot because the, um, uh, this definitely has limitations because sometimes pausing when unsure just means stopping. Well, yeah, and it, and it, and it, the, the term analysis paralysis comes to mind, right? Where you do get paralyzed pausing, right? Yes. So pausing means stop because we're, we're just, we're, we're stuck looking at it forever and ever and we can never move on. Yeah, and, and, and we live in a probabilistic world. I mean, you know, we talked about VUCA and, and the U is uncertainty. So right. if you're pausing when unsure, well, actually in today's world, you're always unsure. Right? Yeah, you're never going to get to zero yeah. Uh, uncertainty. Yeah, so, so here's what I think might be probably an oversimplified, but potentially a useful distinction. And that is, um, what kind of risk are we talking about? Because... Uh, let, let's take what we're doing right now as an example. Like if I was strictly applying the heuristic of pause when unsure, we wouldn't be doing this podcast, right? Because mm -hmm. we don't know for sure that this isn't going to suck, right. right? This could totally suck, right? But um, one of the things that I like about uh, agile uh, methodology, uh, you know, agile software uh, uh the methodology and then you know as it's transcended software development into agile ways of working across different spheres is this idea that um, it is better for something to exist in a flawed physical state than it is for something to exist in a perfect theoretical state mm -hmm. and the reason for that is that we don't learn from theory we learn from uh, empirical reality right and so uh and so uh why would we not want to do this podcast well the risk is that it sucks and then i'm embarrassed right but one thing we know about humans is uh you know our our brains are wired for survival like you know natural selection selected for the things that would help us to survive but not necessarily be innovative or great leaders or things like that so, so uh, you know, our brains don't really know the difference between or don't care about the difference between threats to us physically and threats to our egos. So I think a lot of time you have to ask yourself, what's at risk for you? And if, and if what you're saying is, well, I'm pausing and unsure because I'm, I'm worried about the, you know, the fear that is motivating the pause is that I might be wrong. Well, guess what? In an uncertain world, you're going to be wrong all the time. You're going to have a ton of failures. You might have a podcast that sucks. On the other hand, it also uh, uh, creates learning opportunities. And if you're pausing when unsure prevents you, uh, has you pursuing the perfect theoretical state versus getting comfortable with the flawed physical state that you actually creates learning opportunities, then, uh, you know, then I think that's that's uh, that, that's a that's a really bad application of the heuristic. Yeah. So so if I can play that back in a different way, and 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 I'll be the first to use a legal reference here, but uh, uh, it's similar to how the courts look at, uh, particularly around business cases, a restraining order mm. uh, or a temporary injunction. Yeah. They look at it as 
can, if there's damage done by what you're doing, can it be fixed with money? Yeah. And if it can, then we're not going to issue a restraining order. Go ahead. And if, if you were in the wrong, we'll fix it with money. Um, but if you can't fix it with money, uh, if the damage is permanent, like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to tear down this building to put my building up. Well, I, I can't just fix that with money. It, the building's gone. It's, it's irreversible damage, essentially. Uh, so, no, we're going we're gonna to pause and, and let the courts decide what's right before proceeding. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of one of the one of the rules of, of issuing a temporary injunction. So that's that's sort of here is looking at how how reversible right. is the damage to be done. There's yeah. risk, but some risk is death. Some risk is not as bad as death, but but still unreversible. And other risk is just it's downside, but it results in learning, not so harmful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so this is getting a little ponderous, but, but uh, like, uh, you know, Nassim Taleb that wrote the black swan and anti-fragile and is, you know, a big proponent of, of heuristics uh, uh, is, for example, he called it the, it's called the precautionary principle. And uh, the idea there is like, this is, for example, why he is totally opposed to uh, Bill Gates uh, plan to, uh, get to rid to rid the world of mosquitoes Mm -hmm. because his point is yeah that you know of course that would be great if we got rid of mosquitoes because they spread malaria malaria kills a lot of people but in a complex uncertain world you don't know what the unintended consequences of getting rid of mosquitoes is going to be and the the effects could be so devastating that you can't sue bill gates or anybody else uh, to uh, t- uh, to get appropriate uh, damages, right? And so, therefore, the precautionary principle has to has to come into effect. So that's like you know, uh, pause when ensure uh, writ large. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think there's you know big big micro applications like you know uh, like uh, you know should I uh, go unshaven versus risking cutting out my face to uh, you know like world changing sorts of uh, right. complex decisions. Okay, great. Anything else to share on that one? I think we, I think we drained that one pretty, okay. pretty well. That's All a, right, that's a good one. That's that's one that pretty much anybody can use. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What so, do you got? so mine, mine is a similar vein, but but perhaps a little narrower in its application. And it's it, it's never make an important me, uh, important decision in just one meeting. Okay. Um, so it, it's it's meeting centric. It's group centric. Right. So right away, those are those are two conditions that, that sort of define what box this heuristic works in. But uh, this this came to me uh, years ago. I was uh, as part of the National Association of Corporate Directors. I was taking the uh, uh, director professionalism course. And one of the directors who was uh, experienced directors who was leading a, a panel discussion mentioned this as, as one of his heuristics, one that he thinks others should adopt for, for boards. OK. And. Um, you know, and, and so I, I, I resonated with me immediately as, as simple and, uh, and, and, and very applicable, certainly in the boardroom, right? Um, but then I, I started really just paying attention to and stress testing it, both in my own board meetings that I would sit in on and I'd watch when it's followed, when it's not followed, and not just did bad outcomes happen, right? But was there 
was there even if a good outcome happened and we didn't follow a heuristic, was that just luck? <laughs> right. Right. Or was it was it really simply an unneeded heuristic? And the more I stress tested it, the more I looked at specific case studies of it, it, it just seemed like a really, really good heuristic, especially for boards. I, I'd say on the boards I, I, I've sat on over the years, I've adopted it as one of the the highest level, most important heuristics for the for the for for my role on a board, but I've used it in other with management teams and others, and introduced it in in, in a lot of other ways. So, um, so so I think there's there's important things around why why it works, and it's similar to pause when unsure. Okay, you know, one is is simply the consideration of of the risk, right? So you were talking about how do it within a meeting. Um, but the opportunity of two meetings, right, no matter how far spaced apart they are, is, is I think primarily twofold. One, it allows you some headspace collectively and individually to go bring in extra criteria that, uh, that, that perhaps didn't enter in the conversation, right? So we start talking about three criteria and then overnight we realized, well, what about this, this, and this? Like those are important too, and we weren't considering those. The other thing that I, I, I think is even more important that I've, I've, I've watched, and uh, recently I've been, I've been reading the book Noise by, by uh, Dan Kahneman. Uh, he talks about the social construct of decision-making is there is momentum yeah. in decision-making. And that momentum has nothing to do with anything sound. Momentum is simply momentum. And having two meetings to make an important decision essentially breaks the momentum and allows you, if you would make the same decision in two separate instances, it's much more likely to be a good decision. Uh, but if your momentum carries you into the decision, and then if you were to go back and have that decision a second time, without that momentum, if you would have made it differently, you definitely shouldn't have made it in that one instance. So, so that momentum, I think, is, is really what I've looked at as perhaps the most important value of that heuristic. Okay, so a couple of thoughts. One is, one of the things I've, I've learned and, and, and read, it's not my original idea, is that, but that uh, the test of a heuristic is not whether you can explain how it works, mm -hmm. but just that it does work. So just the fact that you said that you have seen this be valuable, um, you know, should be enough, right? But, but as I was as scrutinizing your thinking. I mean, I am a big believer in the value of latent processing. I mean, it is amazing. It is amazing, I think, what your brain can, you know, work through when you're not even really consciously thinking about things. And and so if that's all jammed into one meeting, then then that's not going to happen. I totally get that. I guess it all just is about the threshold because there's so many meetings that suck. And there's so many meetings that it's like, why are we here? And, uh, and decision rights are not clear. And so I guess my anxiety about this heuristic is knowing what the threshold is and also just knowing that, um, you know, just like when pausing when unsure that it's like, it could be used to justify a lot of, um, you know, slow indecision when really it would be good, better to just, you know, like do something, try something. So what do you think? Yeah, so I think that's that's important because yeah, it, it's, well, let's make that in the future. Let's decide later and we could make every decision that way, right? So, you know, in the heuristic, I include the word or the other person included the word. I wish I remember who said it. I, I don't have those notes, but uh, the word important, right? So it's an important decision. 
I don't think that's quite enough, right? So there's lots of important decisions. And if you're in an executive team or you're in a board of directors, fundamentally, they probably, if you're actually making a decision, it probably should be important. Otherwise yeah. you should delegate it. So, right. so all, all decisions are important. So I, I think there's a couple other factors that, that come into play. One, uh, and this, this comes into play of the what factors do we include, is how rare is the decision? Okay, right? okay. Right, so if, if on a board, we make decisions around capital frequently, yeah. you know, and, and so that's a frequent decision. We know how to look at it. Is this necessary? Can it be delayed? Because you don't want to spend capital if you don't need to. Uh, what risks are there? What's the balance sheet look like? Okay, you know how to make those decisions in, in, and take it from one board meeting to another, a different company or a different management team or a different situation, same criteria, right? So it's not likely that other criteria are going to enter it because you already have your, your algorithm for making that decision. But if you're, if you're firing the CEO, if you're making a, a, an acquisition or a merger, um, if you're looking at a massive reorg, uh, you, you probably aren't doing that often, right? So you lack uh, the muscle memory, the algorithms, the well-balanced set of criteria to make that decision consistently and rapidly. Okay, okay. So I think that the rarity of the decision is one factor. I think the emotional uh, aspect is another one because I think the emotional aspect is what really builds momentum, right? Yeah. Um, you know, is there, whether it's fear or anger or frustration or excitement, <laughs> um, hey, somebody's made us an offer. Wow, look at all, look at the return on our stock. Look at what we can do. Somebody's made me a job offer. Ooh, look at the bonus signing they're giving me. There's, there's a lot of excitement in that, right? So it doesn't matter if it's risk or excitement. There's an emotional appeal uh, to the decision and that, that, that process and that momentum that builds chasing down a path can overwhelm the analytical side of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I've been part of decisions to remove CEOs. I've been part of decisions to make major acquisitions and things like that. And, and, and boy, it doesn't matter how analytical you try to be. There is emotional aspects in that. And you, you get, you get, you know, sort of built up as a, as a group. Again, this is a group uh, heuristic. You get built up pretty quickly and, and start to see how people get excited or scared. And then that, that carries the decision in a predictable manner, overwhelmed by the emotion. Okay. okay. So, so I think that, that emotional aspect around, uh, around it, which relates to either positive or negative outcomes, which relates to momentum, you don't have to delay long because I, this, this relates to the other aspect of important. If you have quarterly board meetings, well, if it's important, then, hey, let's do a phone call meeting tomorrow. Right, right, right. right. Like, so, so how you put this into use doesn't have to be let's wait a quarter, right? right, right. It could be let's, let's, let's sleep on it. Let's break the momentum of our energy and our flow towards a yes. And let's come back and just reconsider it tomorrow. If the decision looks the same with consideration and a night's rest, then it's probably more likely to be a sound decision. Not necessarily the right decision, again, we're not going to be right with any of these all the time, but a sound decision, right? And that's where we're trying to break the break the momentum of the emotion uh, and the crowd 
and, and also just give yourself room to consider criteria when it is a, a more unusual or rare decision that you have to make. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, um, Annie Duke, the, uh, the uh, former uh, poker champion who I'm a big fan of says, you know, our, this is a really simply, in, in life, uh, our, our outcomes are determined by two things, the quality of our decision-making and luck. And we can't do anything about our luck. So we really have to focus on our decision quality. And, and that means knowing in part, some of the biases or skews, uh, obstacles to quality decision-making that we're predictably prone to. And I think that is, I, I, and so when you, uh, I think that's the key thing is that if you know that momentum uh, I like how you describe it. If you know that that one of the risks of a quality decision is like that emotion or that momentum can prematurely push you to a place, then that becomes, I think, a good nudge that becomes sort of like, you know, decision-making architecture to say, when if we are we know we are prone to that, then even waiting a day to finalize a decision, I think, is a good due diligence step. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, then I buy that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, and I think that's... Uh... You know, that, that's the important consideration um, because fundamentally from a process standpoint, right, the emotion often is about the luck component, right, which we, right. Which we really have to kind of go luck is luck. Right. Let's not try to use predictions of luck in our, in our decision-making process. So. Yeah, yeah. So there we have two, uh, two heuristics. Uh, one, yours is much broader, uh, mine's more specific to both teams and meetings. Um, but all related into the same, same theme of, of, of how, uh, when we make decisions. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody for, for joining us for the episode one of, of Happy Heuristics. Um, uh, and thank you for, for joining me in this, in this process as well. Yeah, well, Jamie, thank you, for, thank you for hosting this. It'd be interesting the feedback we get, whether people say, that's good, you know, you made the case for those heuristics and I'm gonna adopt those as reliable heuristics, it gives me, you know, less things to think about. I've already got too many things to think about. Or whether they say, uh, in in thinking about the application of those heuristics, now I've just got more cognitive overload. But I hope it'll be interesting uh, for people, regardless. But you know what? We, we might find out the podcast sucks. And uh, again, it's uh, uh, it's only that interaction with uh, empirical reality and being willing to take a shot on being wrong for you actually create uh, opportunities for learning and, and positive black swans, you know, uh, low probability, uh, uh, but high impact events that actually are, are positive in nature. Yep. And hopefully, you know, if, if nothing else, you and I make each other smarter in the, in the process. So love that. <laughs> Worth the price of admission. Yeah. So, so please do follow us. Um, uh, rate us, review us, give us feedback. We, we love all of that. It helps, uh, uh, helps other people find us as well. So uh, you, can, you can find us at, at jflinch.com slash happy heuristics uh, or at mgstrat.com at happy heuristics. If you're on the show notes, we'll have links to both of those. And uh, just to, to wrap us up, we like to uh, plan on leaving with a simple heuristic, a fun one. Yeah, this uh, bonus heuristic is actually one of the uh, oldest known heuristics uh, that we'll leave folks with, which is if it smells bad, don't eat it. Very good. 